From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made as we move on into the new year and so many great events uh, coming up uh, throughout the new year. And this indeed is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Deacon Daniel Patterson, who's the new coordinator for Respect Life Ministry here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Deacon, good to hear your voice. Oh, thanks for having me, Bob. I appreciate it. Nice to, nice to be with you. Nice to be with you, too. Tell us a little bit. You have that title, Deacon. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about your background and what led you to the diaconate. Um, well, that's a, that's, a big, that's a big question. I, um, I'm a military kid. My father uh, was uh, served in the United States Air Force, so mm-hmm. I was raised with an ID card. My mom was... Uh, music minister my whole life. I always remember my mother, you know, leading the choir. And so um, some of my earliest memories really are the joy of singing at church as a young kid with my mom. Um, At a certain point, I think in my mid-20s, I really began to think to myself, I had a um, Teens Encounter Christ experience. A friend invited me to that, and it really I think put me back into active life in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly was, you know, what do they say? One of those experiences that sort of changed my life. And um, from that moment, it was really okay. If, if I've been given this wonderful gift of, you know, love from Jesus Christ, what do I do with it? How do I, how do I give back? And so it's always been a question of service for me. I was very involved. Uh, I myself was in the active duty Air Force for a number of years, mm-hmm. very involved in the life of the parish there. I eventually got out, moved back to Sacramento, um, stayed involved in the church, you know, Eucharistic minister and lector and sacristan and all those ministries at the parish level. And, um, my pastor, we were talking about him, Dan Looney, mm-hmm. Brother Dan Looney asked had if I ever considered the diaconate. And I think that was the seed that really took root mm-hmm. and started to grow. And I've been a deacon now, ordained five years, class of 2018. Wow. Well, and that's a, so long, really that's one, a long it's, dis- it's, discernment process, isn't it? It is. Um, I want to say it's four, it's probably five years mm-hmm. from the point of application, all the evaluation, and then the, the formation itself is, uh, is four years. And, so and I think some people may not realize uh, you're ordained um, to the diaconate. I'm a member of clergy, That's I right. guess, is the official way yeah. to think about it, right? Right. right. And uh, you don't just say, I'm going to sign up and be a deacon. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you have a favorite yeah, airbase that uh, you were stationed at? So I, my father was stationed um, K.I. Sawyer Air Force Base in Upper Michigan. Uh-huh. I graduated high school from a little small town of Gwynn, Michigan. Is that up in the, uh, up we're in there. All the UP? Up in the UP, way up in the UP yeah. by Marquette. Yeah, if oh, you're sure. familiar. Sure. Yeah. So I spent uh, five years there. That place really left a mark on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also spent six years. I was fortunate enough to be stationed uh, in England. I was just outside of Oxford mm-hmm. there for six years. Wow. And that was an incredible, incredible experience to live there and work there in that in that place. Mm-hmm. Wow! So, um, and I, I was actually born there. My my father and his uh, his assignment uh, in the early '60s. I was born there, so kind of a chance to go back and really, you know, revisit my roots. Yeah. And the history there, as you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Sounds like a fabulous, <laughs> fabulous. Did you have a favorite place as a child? A favorite base as a child? 
You know, um, that that's a great question. You know, I was surrounded by lots of brothers and a sister, so we were always friends in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. I always had friends with me. Um, we were at Beale Air Force Base yep. in the early 60s. I have a lot of great memories from uh, from living there. Yeah, good for you know, really, it's it's been a great life, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a good life. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. So, what brought what brought you to the the diocese of Sacramento as coordinator for Respect Life Ministry? So, uh, Deacon Kevin Staskow mm-hmm. um, put a, an email blast out to the deacon email list. And I had a couple of my brother deacons that said, um, dude, that you're made for that job. And I thought, oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I sort of followed the lead. I, I met with Deacon Kevin. We had a conversation about it. And um, and I'm temporarily filling in. Um, and I'm happy to do so. So it's, it's important work. It's... Uh, Needed work, obviously, and I'm happy to lend a hand there at the diocese. Very good. Well, welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Now, the, uh, you, you you stepped right into the busiest time of year, I think, for Respect Life Ministry, uh, January. A tremendous number of of Respect Life events going on here. Uh, um, you're going to have, uh, well, let's start with uh, the uh, the. Uh, Spirit to Young Adult Ministry event, which is uh, January 5th. So that is the, they used to be branded uh, Theology on Tap. Mm-hmm. That's actually, right. they need in my parish. And I know the fac- facilitator for that. He does a great job. There's a great dynamic group of young people that meet there. Um, and so I approached uh, Patrick and asked him, hey, can we can we co-opt one of your meetings, the one in January? And they, they were very gracious to allow us to do that. And we worked with them. And we've got a, a really, I think, a really great uh, topic about the pro-life conversation. The first is uh, Caitlin, who is uh, who was a resident um, at Bishop Gallego's maternity home. Mm-hmm. And as you know about the home, it's a very particular niche of women in crisis pregnancy, right? right? Homeless. Caitlin is now the house mom, I call her. And so she's going to talk about what that experience was for her. Wow. The How the maternity home actually changed the trajectory of her life and for her family. Mm-hmm. So she's going to talk to us about that. And then Molly Sheehan from the Catholic Conference of California. Yep. She's going to come and she's going to talk to, she does really. And she's become a bit of a friend um, about apologetics. How do we, people of our time, of our generation, respond to some of the, you know, vernacular that we hear from the proponents of choice? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you always hear that first objection, but what about right. X? Well, how do we as members of the church respond in a reasonable way? What do we say? And so she's going to guide that conversation. I think that's going to be really, really interesting. So yeah. we're looking forward to that um, on January the 5th, as you said. And reasonable and effective. You know, it's... it's uh... Every now and then you, you feel like maybe you made progress. And I know the times I have made progress is it's usually one-on-one conversation and uh, you don't get irate or righteous because you're just going to widen the divide, if you will. And, uh, um, but that effective dialogue is, and, and reasonable, um, that's, that's valuable stuff. Yeah. I, I love the term reasonable, right? Yeah. Because I'm not out to change the hearts of a million people tomorrow, right? right. Jesus did it one at a time, yep. right? And so if we can have that one-to-one, why do you believe what you believe? Mm-hmm. Why do you have the position that you do? We just can't say, well, I'm Catholic. Oh, no. Or, 
whatever that answer is, right? You ha- it has to be a reason. Yeah. Years ago, um, I you know I have I have three adult kids, but they weren't always adult, right? Right. And they ask you questions that um, are heartfelt many times, and so you have to be able to answer them. And one of the I was talking to somebody much smarter than myself. And they said, when you answer your child's question, it has to be full of reason. Yep. And so when we have these conversations with our contemporaries, with the people in our classes, in our workspaces, in our neighborhoods, it has to have that same resonance, right? It has to be full of reason. So I I think that uh, a spiritual conversation is going to be full of interesting uh, things to hear the witness of Caitlin and then um, this sort of apologetics, if we could call it that. And this is Friday, January 5th, 6 to 9 p.m. at the beautiful Holy Spirit Church, uh, 3159 Land Park Drive, right here in uh, That's right. in Sacramento. And, yeah, and it's I, a great I, group. Yeah, it really, really is. And, you know, I, uh, I, I, know, I know from my own experience when you say your, your answers have to be uh, they have to be real answers, and they have to be reasonable. And I, I used to, oh, I, I would, I would upset me. I wouldn't show my being upset when people would say, "Well, you're just, you're just Catholic. You do what the church tells you to do." When it, when you got to to uh, pro life, okay. and I'd say, you know, when I was growing up, and and being sort of, uh, you know, in the faith, going to catechism class on Saturday morning, we didn't have a Catholic school. But we'd go to Catholic to catechism class yep. on Saturday morning and learn all about the mass yep. and learn all about the faith. Abortion was not an issue. It was not legal. It wasn't something I wouldn't have any idea what the word even meant when I was a child growing up in the faith. And I said, I, I honestly came upon it by myself. I mean, when you know, I, I was <laughs> I was part of the civil rights movement, if you will, in the '60s, and and. You know, you know, equal justice and equality, uh, kind of a a, yeah. a a heart for the underdog, uh, all those things, a heart for the vulnerable, and and it was it was wonderful stuff, you know, and 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 you felt you felt kind of righteous, and you know, and, and all this, and and then so many of the people that were involved in that went the other way on abortion when it became legal for, with Roe v. Wade. Well, actually, became legal prior to that in California. Ronald Reagan signed the bill legalizing it, and he later in life said that was the biggest mistake he ever made. Mm. He was kicking mm. the, the door just slightly open, you know. And once you kick that door open, man, it just keeps widening and widening and widening. But, but I was surprised so many of those people— went that direction that I had sort of marched in the for civil rights with um, because I felt like civil rights was on the other side of that issue, you know, the, the pro-life side, uh, you know, uh, defending the defenseless and, and, and helping those that needed help, you know. And, uh, um, yeah. but, but, you know, that was my background. And I, and I remember saying, I'm not pro-life. I'm, I'm proud to be Catholic. I'm proud that the Catholic Church is pro-life, but that's not why I'm pro-life. I, I, I really came to it. You can say you came to it separately, but obviously the values you learned in catechism class on Saturday morning lead you to being pro-life. There's no question, even though pro-life wasn't an issue at the time. So Yeah, I'm glad you said, because uh, CCD, right? I'm a product of that right, too, right? Right. I didn't go to Catholic schools. I, I learned it, um, you know, really at the foot of my mom and dad. Yep, that's where right. The faith is passed on that way, right? Yep. And then, and then through friends who really cared for me. Yep. And so our position on, you know, respect life, it it has to be informed. Yep. Right. I, I was thinking about on my way home from the office today. You know, what am I going to say when they ask me? <laughs> the first thing I always think of. You know, we we can have a conversation about when is the viability, you know, when is it, when does it get human, you know, all, we can have all of that. But at the end of the day, 
I exist because we all, we began that way. Right. We, everybody begins that way. Not a single person escaped it. Except maybe a test tube baby. Yeah. Right. And there were a couple of them. There were a couple. But, yeah. um, right. The, th that's the first evidence. I began that way. So how can you say it's not life? And, you know, I find myself, Bob, um, that that position then really informs all the other positions that I have mm -hmm. around the dignity of the person. Why do I care about the person who's sleeping under a tarp in a field in this weather? Right. Because I respect life and, and in all of its forms. All of its forms. And there they are. Ages. Yeah. That's right. Why do I, you know, care for the people in like Eschaton? Why do I go visit them? Right. Because I respect life and they are alive. Right. 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 So it's, it's really this whole, uh, you know, you used to say cradle the grave um, from the womb to the tomb, right. really that, that pro-life position informs all of that yeah, and, and uh, that, it's that, the most reasonable right it, it is and i mean there's only one point where uh, it, life begins <laughs> that's, just, that's that, where the cell starts dividing and uh, you know the notion of viability I, I i i sometimes chuckle and i say so okay so after that child's born let's just kind of put it out there on an island with lots of food good weather and and see how viable that newborn is all by itself. Don't right. don't I think mean, it's right. don't think it's viable. Might not be viable till about eighteen. <laughs> right, know. maybe. Right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I I think this conversation, um, this is Spirit Two gathering at Holy Spirit Parish here in Sacramento is is going to be a really really good one and you know the 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 nice part about it is afterwards there's always a gathering of people who want community mm -hmm. and so that um you know we can learn something and we can experience community in the church uh by participating there so we're hoping that's going to be a to steal Ed Sullivan can I do that a really big show right yes <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna uh I'm going to alter my ID and see if I can get in as a young adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> may, have, may have a little, little bit of difficulty there. Uh, we, are, we are speaking with Deacon Daniel Patterson, the uh, coordinator for Respect Life Ministry here in the Diocese of Sacramento, and so many uh, Respect Life, uh, pro-life, whatever you want to call it, uh, events taking place here. The annual, uh, well, the pro-life Eucharistic Adoration will take place from January 10th through the 18th at 12 parishes, uh, just 12 parishes, one Savior, one call for life, a nine-day novena uh, uh, part of the Eucharistic adoration. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I'd not heard about it before. I think this is the third year uh, Moises, my predecessor, mm -hmm. I believe, started it. Um, you know, an adoration is kind of one of those practices that have kind of gone astray. Mm -hmm. You don't really see it anymore. And so um, I picked up the ball from where he, he left it, um, reached out to parishes. The, um, the ones that I spoke to all volunteered to have um, exposition and adoration. It's up and down the diocese from up north, Red Bluff, to um, Vallejo. We have, uh, as you said, 12 different parishes participating. Mm -hmm. um, it's an opportunity, and we have really beautiful novena prayers, again, which will, um, which will be up on the website. So for those who can't travel to the individual parishes, and that's a great thing if, you know, people want to make it sort of a pilgrimage and travel to the, some of these different parishes. 
uh, and um, pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament, I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, we all know that graces always flow from adoration, right? Right. So we're excited about that. Um, and again, you, you can get information on the parishes that are participating as well as the Novena Prayers themselves are up on the the Sacramental Diocese website under the Events tab. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I should let everyone know, uh, and, and we try to remind you, if you go to just just go to scd.org, that's Sacramental Catholic Diocese, or just you Google uh, Diocese of Sacramento, and, and the, the whole page comes up, and ever you go to the Events tab or go to News, uh, and just uh, and you, you can you can find a pro-life ministry. You can even you can even find the Bishop's Hour and uh, how to contact us. Uh, it's, it's a really really great and user-friendly website. So go to scd.org to uh, to learn all about it. And again, the uh, the novena will take place nine days, uh, January 10th to January 18th. I, I know. You know when your kid has gotten old enough to do math when they realize the tenth to the eighteenth isn't eight days; it's nine days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, when they're about third grade, they say that's only eight, Dad. And I go, "Well, yeah, actually, it's only eight. Take out your fingers and toes, and let's start counting them." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the annual. I've been doing that for the twelve days of Christmas. Yes. What day are we on? Yeah, you have to remember. Right. You have to remember the first day, right? Yeah, that's right. You have to take your shoes off to start counting twelve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the annual Respect Life Gathering, Saturday, January thirteen, which will take place eight a.m. to one p.m. at the Great Saint Lawrence the Martyr Parish of forty-three twenty-five Don Julio Boulevard in North Highlands, a great parish there. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So what we're really trying to do, we, we've got a couple of really great speakers. Uh, Heather Suarez, who was um, 40 Days for Life, a sidewalk counselor for many years here in the diocese. Mm -hmm. She's going to come and she's going to speak about how to build what is a respect life ministry actually look like in a parish? Oh, that's a great idea. And right. Cause I mean, I have my own idea based on what I've seen, but if we, if we kind of go back, take a step back, Bob, um, and think about what we were talking about womb to the tomb, the respect life gathering is really, we want to cast a very big net so I've reached out, for example, to the regional um, office of the Knights of Columbus. Mm -hmm. They, as one of their pillars, is respect life, along with vocations and service. So we've asked them, can you inform your members in the parishes to um, invite the team to attend the Respect Life Gathering um, coming up on January the 13th. We've reached out to um, St. Vincent de Paul, who also have a Respect Life ministry, they, right? Indeed they do, yeah. So uh, they should be in the table. We should be having those conversations. Food Bank, La Familia, we've invited, of course, the Maternity Home, Sacramento Life Center, Couples for Christ, missionary families for Christ. Um, we want to have them all in the room. Um, we've got a group coming, invited. Um, I don't know if you know Deacon Jack Rowland. Yeah. I, I just put his name out there, so I pressure him, right? <laughs> um, to have him come and, you know, the mental health of someone um, in crisis. What is that? How can we help them? And so bring all, cast this wide net and bring all of these partners together because everybody that comes to us is going to have a different need. Maybe mm -hmm. it's food. Maybe it's, um, you know, food security. We hear that term, right? Maybe right. it's housing. Maybe it's clothing. Maybe it's pregnancy. Maybe it's, and we want to have all of those people in the room so that we can have a conversation together 
and talk about and sort of revitalize what Respect Life Ministry should be. And I'm sure there's models out there. I'm brand new. Bring those models and tell us about those. What does that look like? How does it work? So that we then can, you know, look at that model and see where else it's duplicated in the diocese. And if not, we have one to look at that we can begin to try to replicate. Yeah, that's 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 really good stuff because you know, you 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 it's one thing to whether it's talking to somebody or being a, you know, a, a sidewalk minister in 40 days for life or whatever it is. And, and, and you, you can give the moral reasons and the philosophical reasons and all those reasons. And, and the person sitting there saying, I can't pay my rent, you know, and I, yeah. I all this stuff. And it's not that you're trying to take away as many reasons as they have, but some, the, 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 when when I hear stories of success, like at at, at Bishop Gallegos and and the various other pro life ministries, the the Gabriel Project, um, Saint Vincent de Paul, the Knights, all the people that do all this great pro life work, it's very frequently somebody just wanted some help because they saw their situation as impossible and and they may completely agree with you philosophically and morally but they still can't figure out how they're going to pull this off and and being able to to do more than just say you won't regret having this child and having this child is a, is a gift from god etc to say we can help you we can connect you with people that will help you with food insecurity and with housing and 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 all these other things, um, doctors appointment. I mean, you look at the Sacramento Life Center. You, people go in with no medical insurance, don't even speak the language, the English language, and wow, they come out whole, if you will, in terms of of they've got resources and they've got a, a doctor with a real name who's willing to see them, and and it takes a it 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 puts the whole crisis in a different ball game. It's really about accompaniment, mm-hmm. right? How do we accompany them through this situation? And what are the touch points where we can have some of these different community organizations, ministries of the church, touch them and provide that kind of support? Yeah. Yep. So that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Because I, I don't know the process that a woman in crisis goes through. I'm sure it's dramatic. Yep. I, I can't believe that decision comes lightly. Yep. And so um, we want to accompany through them and let them know that we really are with them. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to help them through this if, if they want to. Right. And we hope they do. Right. Because then that's the opportunity for us to really put our money where our mouth is, yep. right? There used to be that accusation many years ago that the Catholic Church only cares about yep. the child while it's in the womb. Oh, you still hear it. You still hear it. And right. It's very frustrating. Totally not true. Yep. Years ago... One of the counselors um, from 40 Days for Life um, approached a woman who had twins who um, was going to uh, terminate the pregnancy. She's going to have an abortion. And um, intervened that she didn't really want to, but she had some barriers to providing the life for them right? Housing, finances, schooling, I mean, all of that. The counselor brought that woman to Holy Spirit. And we are still accompanying her and her kids 10 years later. Wow. No surprise there. So that's really what we're talking about, right? We have someone who stays with this family and helps them navigate, you know, medical access, housing issues, food insecurity. I I mean, 
it's it's incredible and that's what that's what we should be and i think that's the goal uh ultimately of the annual gathering is to sort of reinvigorate and look at what what's working and build upon those models and where it's not working this is the first keynote how do we build it the second speaker is uh Lily and Renee Perez, who are recent um, migrants from, uh, they've immigrated here from the Philippines, very involved in the family ministry there in the Philippines and Asia. And their talk is going to be, what's underneath this? What What's our motivation? Well, the love we receive as we began, right? The love we've received from God moves us to then care for our neighbor. So that's the talk about what is a what is ministry look like, how to reinvigorate it, what's underneath it. Um, and then we're going to have the Sacramento Life Center. We'll obviously talk a little bit about their ministry. We're all familiar with that. But what's what are they looking? What's their next 12 months look like? Mm-hmm. Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home was going to talk because we're talking partnerships, right? Right. And you, you're familiar with them. They right. do not do it by themselves. No, they don't. Yep. They have all of you know when that child is born in that home, it's the mom is equipped. There's a crib there. There's diapers there. There's clothing there. There's nurses that come in and do uh, assist with breastfeeding, with, you know, child, infant care, postpartum. I mean, it's all there. Yep. And so there's a model that works of community engagement. And then the last one is going to be Molly again. God love her from the Catholic conference. She's going to talk to us about, you know, California, we're not unique in terms of the assault on life here in California and some of the legislation that they pass. Abortion tourism, right? Right. And Molly, of course, for people that don't know, is the Respect Life Coordinator for the California Catholic Conference, which represents mm-hmm. all the bishops of the state of California. So she's going to talk to us again, you know, what's on the plate? What's in front of the legislature? What are they lobbying on behalf of the bishops for? And how can we as a community of faith get involved? You know, they have that legislative network. What does that mean? What does that look like? How can we activate that kind of engagement before it becomes law? Because if once it becomes law, it's a different fight. Sure is, yeah. So that's that's sort of the the thinking around the annual gathering. We're excited. Um, I know Father Alvaro Perez there at St. Lawrence. He's a great man, great priest, great pastor. We're happy to have him host us. It starts with the daily mass. Uh, the bishop will preside there, and the, immediately after, we'll have the gathering. And the mass starts at 8 a.m., and if— Eight o'clock. Yeah, and if if for questions or to sign up, uh, contact Yasmin Ortiz. She's at J Ortiz O R T I Z J O R T I Z at scd. dot org. And uh, very quickly, uh, because we're against the clock here, the the, the handle's coming down. <laughs> Mass reparation at the cathedral, January twenty second. The the annual. The anniversary, I don't like that word uh, when it replies to Roe v. Wade. Anniversary yeah. sound like celebrations, but it is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which, of course, has been overturned. That will be January 22nd at the cathedral. It's the, it's the normal weekday mass. at tw- They call it the noon mass, but it actually starts at 12.10 p.m. on January 22nd. And then, of course, the great, the 20th annual Walk for Life in San Francisco January the 20th, a Saturday, uh, all at the Civic Center Plaza, really a very historic place with a lot of historic buildings around it. And uh, uh, a lot of parishes will be taking a bus. Uh, There's a great amount of parking right under a Civic Center Plaza. I've I've done it many times uh, with with some of my kids and and, and family members. And uh, uh, 
never had a problem parking there. So if you don't want to take a, I would recommend the bus though because uh, they let you off right there, and right there. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And it's and it's good fellowship, et cetera. You know, and um, but that that walk for life, you don't have to sign up for that. But uh, uh, and they also have a website where you can actually find who has a bus uh, in your area that is that is coming, and that is. Uh, all starts at uh, around noon in San Francisco, and then they uh, following the rally, which is about an hour long. Uh, they always have some great speakers. Then you uh, process down uh, Market Street uh, from the Civic Center Plaza to the Ferry Building. So, and it's always, it's the sun always shines on the Walk for Life. Yes, and so we'll be out there. Um, We'll be uh, we'll be on the plaza there in the beginning. We'll have a big flag, and so we ask the young people from the diocese that attend to come and see us. We we have what I think is a pretty interesting piece of swag. Hmm. You know, it used to be T-shirts or hats or can openers. Uh, the trend is um, those friendship bracelets. Yes. And so we've we've partnered with the Sacramento Life Center, who've sponsored the purchase of these things. We've designed them, and I think they're they'll be beautiful. They look good on paper, um, but something that uh, you know a young person can wear on their wrist, without uh, you know the big blazon on their T-shirt, um, but remind themselves and 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 also um, the sacredness of life by wearing this little friendship bracelet very good so look for us there and uh, collect one of those very very good well deacon daniel patterson it's a joy to finally have you on the radio and uh, uh thanks for uh, joining the diocese here and uh, uh we look forward to uh, our paths crossing again really soon thank you sir thanks for having me thanks. i appreciate the conversation the opportunity yeah thanks so much god bless your work and uh, we'll talk to you soon that's deacon daniel yeah. patterson uh uh, he's a deacon at Holy Spirit Parish, and we uh, were able to sit down with uh, Terry Burns and talk about the sensory-friendly mass coming up on February the 11th, you know, a, a sort of quieter music maybe, and uh, uh, people are free to come and walk around and do what they, they need to do, a sensory-friendly mass, uh, which will take place at St. John the Evangelist, 5751 Locust Avenue in Carmichael, and that will take place on uh, on February the 11th. At uh, uh, and we're going to bring you that uh, interview now. Well, this will be the second one we have hosted uh, diocesan wide. The first was last year at uh, St. Clair's in Roseville. We're trying to move them around a little bit right. to make it convenient for folks. Um, the idea is to reduce the distractions and stimulus for those people who have disabilities that causes them to be uncomfortable in a traditional mass setting. So we um, get rid of all the bells, we get rid of the lights, we have soft music, so that it really is a very gentle, welcoming space for folks with autism or um, other uh, challenges that make it hard for them to sit still. And, and it's designed, you know you're coming, there will be folks who are walking around or um, making noises and all those things. And it's, it's designed to be a space where that's okay. You shouldn't feel unhappy about that if that's uh, if that is your child or family member's situation, don't feel embarrassed because that's what we got going here. Yeah, I remember reading, oh, it was a few years ago, and it, was a, it, it wasn't it was at a Catholic service, but uh, it's not the point of this, but it was, it was at a, a Christian <laughs> service back, I think it was in the Midwest somewhere, and, and there was a uh, you know, a dis I don't know, a disruptive uh, child is the best way I could put yeah. it, and and charitably, and I don't, I don't mean to cast any judgment at all, and it really split the congregation, you know, half the congregation saying, oh, well, we can't have this, you, you've got to figure something else out, and the other half saying, what's the matter with you people, you know, 
And right. And so that's what we're trying to make this just a very comfortable space that so that we're not having those judgments. People can come use their fidget spinner or uh, sitting device or whatever it is that that makes it possible for them to engage in the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we the diocese is really reaching out to be sure that everyone uh, gets sacraments, gets their baptism, gets their confirmation, gets their Eucharist. I mean, particularly in this year of the Eucharist, we're trying to be sure that folks feel welcome and encouraged to come. And so this this kind of a Mass is designed to make it pe- comfortable for um, those folks to come. Is, is this... Uh... A, a movement uh, around the around the country or even around the globe uh, is this something people are really becoming aware of it is there is a uh, the USCCB has a group that is focusing on um, individuals with disabilities um, trying to be sure that we're being more inclusive and uh, really reaching out to folks and you know, it is ju- not just those folks. Like you say, if if you have a child who can be disruptive uh, to some situations, you might feel uncomfortable being sure. in oh, that sure. situation. Sure. Absolutely. So you know, it so it really is getting the whole family to communion. Yeah, I can see that that uh, mom or dad or sibling or you know caretaker uh, has has that anxiety as well for sure. Exactly. So yes, we're we're trying to do that, and uh, Sacramento is trying to uh, encourage these uh, sensory friendly activities so that we can engage uh, more and more members of our community. So, and and this is diocesan wide. Uh, you you're you're hoping that uh, people from uh, they don't have to be uh, parishioners at St. John the Evangelist that the, everybody will be welcome there. Exactly. Uh, at the first one we had, we had about 10 or 12 different parishes represented. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to double that for this one. And uh, then we're, we'll be hoping to look for somebody a little more northern in the diocese to pick up the next one. Like like Alturas? <laughs> maybe Alturas. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll Alturas. Or, or or Chico or Redding sure. or any of those that, sure. who might be interested in picking it up, um, it's it's not that hard to do. We have you know you use the children's missile for the readings, so the readings are simple. Um, doesn't take a lot of people. You know we don't want a lot of people on the altar. It's just very simple and uh, just easy going. So there's not. We don't need eight altar servers and incense and bells and everything. None of that's happening. It's going to be very quiet and gentle, so it's easy to do, and uh, we're trying to spread the word. Terry, talk about your involvement in this. What's your what's your role, and how did you get involved? I got involved because there is a committee um, for um, addressing the needs of folks with disabilities in the diocese and uh, was invited to be on it um, by Deacon Kevin Saskow. Mm-hmm. And so I got engaged in that respect and I'm just finding it really rewarding. Um, we have also are doing workshops for catechists, you know, more. And I, I got asked to do it because I've been a catechist for some time. And we're more and more, we're finding kids with, uh, different disabilities in our catechism classes and how do you teach those kids so I was looking for resources on how to do that and they said gosh you seem like you're interested let's put you on the committee so we're always looking for folks who are interested and we're we do workshops we did a workshop last year on autism and what it means and how to address it and those kind of things so we're trying to make resources available to all of the folks um, who might encounter folks with dis- different disabilities. Well, it seems like uh, th- there are so many hurdles, so many challenges, and uh, I'm sure you, you're aware, as I'm assuming, that one size doesn't fit all either. 
Oh, so absolutely true. Absolutely true. No, we have, you know, you might have a young person who is uh, wheelchair bound and um, has difficulty speaking, but it is absolutely, you know, the, uh, the Stephen Hawking example can't right. speak, right. but is an absolutely getting everything that you're saying. On the other hand, you might have a kid who uh, appears to be, you know, able to be a football player and out doing all those things, who is just slower in picking up the concepts mm-hmm. that you're trying to teach. So absolutely, there there is no one size fits all. And that's why we're all looking for resources uh, to address those kids in our classes. You, I, I presume you may even have kids who want bells and whistles, <laughs> you know. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And uh, kids who want more stimulus, um, that is is kind of a, a lesser problem. They can get, you know, their their parents uh, can bring them and, and mm-hmm. stimulate them in different ways. Um, so, but you're absolutely right. There are kids who need to have more going on, who can't just sit quietly when things are very quiet. So it is, as you say, a, a child by child basis. So given that, what, what sort of, as, as you and, and your committee and, and all the people that are working on this, what sort of challenges did, did you face personally and the committee um, in, in putting this together? I, I just, I, I find it fascinating, but also uh, very challenging. Well, the first thing, the first challenge is that people don't know what it is when you first say a sensory-friendly map. Mm-hmm. And we got calls going, what kind of crazy stuff is this? And, right. You know, has this been approved by the Pope and all those things? Like, no, no, really, <laughs> it, it's fine. It'll be just fine. Don't, you know, don't tar- start taking shots at it before you know what it is. Um, so that was the first hurdle. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's, it is one more thing for priests. Our priests are already overburdened and, you know, one more thing to fit in the schedule. So that's always there. Uh, we need a uh, church facility that can easily accommodate folks in wheelchairs uh, who need a space to step out. Not, of, not all of our, uh, our churches are designed for that. So, um those are kind of the things we're looking at that is that have been challenging. But the, the first one is that um, folks judge it before they go. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping I'm hoping people will come and and see how beautiful it is to engage all of these folks who are not always welcome in traditional mass settings. Do you, do you? Yeah, I hope the same. Do you, did you get input from from parents and uh, caregivers? Absolutely, and we have a number of those folks on the committee. Um, but uh, yes, we're reaching out to folks in the different parishes and saying, "What do you need? What will work?" Um, I know when I first started to bring this to St. John's, um, you know, I, I Father Dominic said, "What do I need to do?" So I've given him a number of resources. I've talked to uh, folks in our commu- in our parish community saying, do you think this will work? Do you think we could do this uh, just given our facility and what we've got going on? So talking to folks, seeing what their needs are, seeing how we can accommodate them is absolutely a critical part. Um, one of the things we do is uh, we offer gluten-free hosts. Mm-hmm. And so we need to ask folks, is that something you want? Is that something you need? And in different settings, the answers to those questions will be different. Wow. Is gluten implicated in autism? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that some of our um, folks Regardless, who, may, may prefer that, yeah have disabilities that that include that because it, mm-hmm. it, again it's not just it's not singularly autism there you know we have sure. folks who have any number of disabilities um, and 
So anything uh, that we can do to make this a more welcoming environment is what we want. Is there a manual for any of this? I'm sorry, is there is, a what? Is there a manual for any of this? Um, it's starting to be there. The U.S. conference has uh, some some suggestions and guidelines. So yes, there's. But I won't. I won't call it a manual. I'll call it a couple of pages. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But building probably. Exactly. Exactly. And we're all working on it. You know, we took notes last year when we did the one at Saint Clair. You know, how can we make this better? What do we need to do? We'll do that again after this year, and we'll just keep building that. So I'm a parish priest, and and you approach me, and I say, yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll be on board. I'm 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 happy to try to make this work. What what kind of instructions? What kind of guidelines would a parish priest have for for the uh, sensory friendly mass? Um, to use uh, simple readings. Uh, generally the children's liturgy um, to keep the homily short and easy to understand Uh, no lights no no incense keep it keep the music very gentle and very soft limit the music so that we're not singing a lot of different parts of the mass just keep Mm -hmm. it spoken um and 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 keep the mass short and be willing to you know, be prepared that there will be families up moving around. Mm-hmm. So those are probably the key guidelines. Do you have guidelines for the for the families? Um, not not specifically. We encourage them to come, you know, as they are. We. Uh, have ushers there to help them get into the building, to know where the restroom is. We have a quiet space that, you know, if your child really does need to come out of the the big church, move them out to a quiet space. We can do that. Um, But beyond that, we just encourage them to uh, participate with us as they can and be comfortable there. Is, is there any evidence one way or the other that uh, it would be better in a small chapel or in a cathedral or is is the size and grandeur of the building does that have anything to do with this does the the grandeur doesn't seem to the issue is um compactness you don't uh-huh. want to have a crowding situation mm-hmm. so you know, we had we, we want plenty of room for families to sit by themselves without being immediately next to other families with different issues. Right. Right. Um, so, a small church, you might want to not have quite as not a diocesan wide mass, um, but. Um, Otherwise, the the decoration doesn't seem to be an mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm 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 curious. Uh, obviously, this this will take place uh, February 11th at St. John the Evangelist in Carmichael, one o'clock. Uh, mass starts. Uh, where will people go the next Sunday, or the previous Sunday, or uh, Sundays after? Well, you know, with COVID, we've kind of gotten in a space where folks can go to mass online but uh, and many of these families go to traditional masses um, where they feel comfortable where they feel welcome and often have to slip out to the narthex and you know take their mm-hmm. child out to the narthex if they can or uh, do that but a lot of them don't go every week just because um, that member of their family, doesn't seem ready to do it right so uh so yeah in an ideal world we would have one of these masses proximate for everyone every week yeah Uh, i'm hoping to have them regularly enough that that people feel welcome uh at least once a year is there is there a yeah and i know there's there's so much goes go into it logistically and uh, uh time wise and and everything else that right now it's not possible to i mean it's almost almost in an experimental stage if you will 
but absolutely. But the, the, it seems as if, and I wonder uh, if some parents, if if maybe if you had them a little more regularly, uh, like you say, that's something that would be a great goal. But if parents actually would find or care, caregivers that it may make being at these sensory friendly masses may make it easier to take their child ultimately to a mainstream mass. Hope so. Absolutely. I I would certainly hope so. And that would be a goal too. And, you know, once priests have done it and say, you know, I get this now I can do this. I want to be active. I know St. Clair and Roseville is doing them on a parish level on a more regular basis. So uh, it's, you know, getting, getting that first try in there and go, Oh, this isn't, I can do this. Um, So hopefully we'll get more that are just not diocese wide, but just happening on a parish level. Yeah. Which ultimately would just be, just be fabulous, you know, to, uh, um, yeah, I, I, we all, you know, we, we, we all have our needs and it's wonderful to, uh, to see a really strong, diocesan-wide effort in, in this regard, because I, I know for those parents and those caregivers, it's, it's a real challenge, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a daily challenge, and, and this is a, a part of, of life that is, I mean, it's the whole ballgame. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, right, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we used to do, we would say, oh, I'm the catechist. I'm not able to deal with your child, so here's some stuff you teach them. Right. That's just one more thing for parents who are already overwhelmed with everything they have to do for their special needs child. And to say, oh, and and here, prepare them for confirmation, too, um, is a big ask. And so this is something we can be doing where the rest of the community is helping pitch in for those parents. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with, with Terry Burns talking about the sensory-friendly mass for Catholics uh, taking place, uh, will coming up, just circle this date, February the 11th at St. John the Evangelist in Carmichael. It'll start at uh, 1 p.m., and it's probably uh, conclude shortly after. Uh, it will not be a long mass. It will not be a long mass. I, I This is not, you know, sometimes you go to these special masses and they go on for a long time. This will be done before the hour is out. Yeah. So, do people? What do, is there some preparation that people should take? Is there are there materials for people in preparation? Uh, do they need to sign up? Uh, maybe some of the nuts and bolts that way. They no, there are no materials they need to uh, bring. Um, it, they don't need to sign up if they have special needs for gluten free hosts or things. We will ask at the door uh, so that they can indicate that then. But otherwise, just come. Uh, bring as many as the folks in your family as you want to bring. So, it, you know, it isn't just uh, the individual and the caregiver, but the whole family is welcome. Very good. And uh, so no, no sign up or anything like that? Nope, nope. Uh, you'll know if you, you can get away that day and that come and join us and it, it's on a Sunday. It covers the Sunday obligation. So you can check that off. How big of a group did you have at St. Clair? We had about 60, I believe. Uh-huh. So uh, I, I would love to double that this time. Very good. Very good. Well, there are, there are certainly a lot out there that uh, will be greatly served by this, I'm sure. And, uh, and uh, many, many, of them very thankful and their parents and caregivers very thankful and other family members for sure. So it's. Well, here I am in a river of questions. Can I pour my heart out to a listening ear? Well, I see this life, it's valleys and mountains. And I think of all the roads that brought me here, oh, that brought me here, walking down, walking down the road. 
Well, I've questioned my reasons. This life I'm living, I question my ability to judge wrong from right. Well, I questioned all the things I've ever called certain. My race, my religion, my country, my mind. But the one thing I don't question is you. You really love me like you say you do. You really love me like you say you do. So hold me, I need you to hold me. Well, I've questioned. Meaning and relevance. Does the work I'm doing really matter at all? Well, I question my friendships, alliance, dependence. Who will still be here? 